so it's really good to see you guys. For those of you who have not, uh, and ladies, if you have not been a part of our group before, um, I guess for about a little over two years now, about two years now, we've been studying uh, Matthew 16 is where we're going to be. Yeah, Matthew 16. Um, we're studying the life of Christ, and the way that we're doing that is through what is known as a harmony of the Gospels. And a harmony of the Gospels means we're taking the books of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and the first two chapters of the book of Acts, and we're harmonizing them. We're putting them all together and telling a chronological story of the life of Jesus. Now remember, in John, uh, Jesus, uh, we are taught that Jesus has always been, that He is eternal, that He is the Creator, and He has always been. But there came a time in history... Uh, where he uh, clothed himself in human flesh and walked among us, right? We, uh, I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who is what? Conceived of the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. And, and so as we study his life, we go to the Scriptures because that is the source of our truth. And we study in a harmony of those books. So what does that mean? When you read each one of those books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and all of y'all are going to do that, right? Y'all are all going to read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. As you read those stories, what you're going to find is is that not all the time do they go in chronological order. And so our attempt has been to take those four books and to harmonize them where we can get one one pattern story of the life of Jesus. So from birth to death to resurrection to ascension, and that's what we're attempting to do. And we'll hold on one second. We got. I'm sorry, I just got this phone. I don't know how anything. Sorry. I'm so sorry. So, as we begin to study, we're going to be in Matthew 16 today. The last time that we were together, we talked about Jesus. Um, he threw a demon out. He cast a demon out of a girl. We saw him uh, uh, amaze the crowds with healings. And we also saw him feed 4,000 people with some bread and some fish, right? Mm-hmm. So, he was doing these miracles. And... Uh, as we've studied in the past, one of the things that we've learned about Jesus' miracles is that there are several different types of people that would come to see the miracles. Can anybody remember any of the types of people that we learned about that came to see the miracles? Anybody remember? So we, there are people that truly believe Him that are following Him and seeing the miracles. There are some people that are following just because He's the new thing in town. He's the, he's the big news. He's the gossip... He's the talk of the town. So everybody is just coming to kind of see what he's doing, what he's up to. Um, so there's the curious crowd. Uh, there's the true believers. And then there's also the ones that hate him, that are trying to catch him doing something wrong, that are trying to kill him. And so that would be another group of people that are coming to see him. Well, the, you talk about the Pharisees and Sadducees. Pharisees, Sadducees, and scribes. Mm-hmm. And when you read the book of John... Uh, that his enemies are referred to as the Jews. Mm-hmm. Now remember, Jesus is Jewish, so not all Jewish people are bad. That's not what we're saying. Mm-hmm. But then, uh, in John chapter 1, it says, He came to His own, and His own people did not receive Him. Mm-hmm. So the, the nation of Israel as a whole rejected the Messiah when He came. And so <clears throat> um, just a quick uh, reminder that the last time when He fed the 
the 4,000 when he fed the people with the bread. Um, Jesus actually made a comment about that at one time in his ministry where a bunch of people, he fed them with bread and fish, and then the next day they came back again. And he said, you have not come to me because of my teachings. You have come to me to fill your bellies. Right? Mm-hmm. And so often in our lives, uh, instead of chasing after God for the spiritual truth that we need, we chase after Him for the cookies and the sandwiches, right? I'm not accusing anybody in this room. I want you to enjoy your lunch. That is not at all what I'm saying, right? One of the benefits of coming and being a part of the Chatham Transitional Ministry is that the fine people at IPC make sure to provide you with a nice sandwich and, and a snack. And they love doing, and they love doing it. It's, it's a, it's a, a ministry. Right. But <clears throat> the reason I'm bringing that up is, is because oftentimes we chase after things that will satisfy our physical desires. Mm-hmm. And the whole time convincing ourselves that we're focusing on spiritual desires when in reality we're just trying to satisfy the flesh. Does that make sense? So, Jesus wants people who are seeking Him in spirit and in truth, right? Not in flesh and appetite, right? He wants people that are seeking Him because they want to know the truth. Why is that so important? Can somebody help me with that? Why is it important that we seek Him for the truth? Because the devil will feed us lies, and our, our own minds will feed us lies. And without the truth of Christ, we have no hope. Very good. And not only that, these sandwiches and cookies that we're eating right now, in about four hours, we're going to be looking for more, aren't we? But God. at the bowling alley. There you go. Lord said, Pete said the bowling alley. But the truth of the matter is, is that God's truth, His promises, His word, has a way of satisfying us in a way that's eternal, that matters. And it, it feeds our soul. And it feeds who we really are. And that's very important to see because often as Jesus ministers to people, He continually runs into these different crowds of people. There's some of the people that are there just to see something exciting. There's some people that are there that are trying to catch Him in His words and trying to accuse Him of being evil or being wrong. But there are always that small group of people that are actually there because they're looking for truth. They're hungry for truth. And what did Jesus say? I am the good shepherd. Uh, my sheep know me, and I know my sheep. Mm-hmm. And what did he say about when he calls to his sheep? What is, what is the promise? When they hear me and they follow. So one of the truest indications that you are truly a child of God, that you are truly his child, that you are truly a believer is that when you hear His voice, you come. You follow. Mm-hmm. And how is it that we hear His voice? Scripture. The Scriptures. That's exactly right. Through Scripture. That is the way that we hear Him. Right? He's not going to come hang over your bed at night and speak to you through your dead relatives. He's not going to speak to you in dreams and visions. That's not the way that God speaks to us these days. There was a time in history when God did speak to people that way. There's no need for Him to do that now because through His truth, through His Word, we now have everything that we need to know Him and to follow Him and to receive Him and to believe Him. His Word is complete and we have everything that we need in this. Right? And just in the same way that we love junk food, right? in the same way we love junk food, 
we have an appetite for junk food, we need to eat the food that is nourishing to our bodies. Well, it's the same way when it comes to our spiritual life. You get into dreams and visions and and premonitions and and feelings and chasing after your emotions and and how you feel. That's all junk. It's all stuff that, that fades. Your emotions and your feelings and what you think changes every day. And God's Word stays the same. And so the goal is for us to sate our appetites, our spiritual appetites, on the things that are lasting, the things that are eternal. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to go to Matthew 16 today, and we're going to work. We're going to focus mainly on verses uh, one through 12. So, in Matthew 16, verse one, it says, "The Pharisees and the Sadducees came up testing Jesus. They asked them uh, him to show them a sign from heaven, but he replied to them." When it is evening, you say it will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning there will be a storm today, for the sky is red and threatening. Do you not know how to do you know how to discern the appearance of the sky, but cannot discern the signs of the times? An evil and adulterous generation seeks after signs, and a sign will not be given it except the sign of Jonah. And he left and he went away. All right. So we'll focus on the first five verses of this to begin with. First, we want to introduce ourselves to the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Now, the Pharisees and the Sadducees were both groups of Jews. And the Pharisees were known as the separated ones. This was the holy crowd. This was the crowd that dressed in their nice clothes. They didn't cuss. They didn't drink. They didn't smoke. They didn't cheat on their wives. And they certainly didn't hang around with the kind of people that do. They were a separate people. They kept themselves separate from everyone else. And they wanted to make sure that everybody around them knew how righteous they were. You see? They wanted everybody to know how good they were. The problem with the Pharisees was they were not focusing on God's righteousness to glorify God. Mm -hmm. They were focusing on God's righteousness to glorify themselves. Think about our attitudes and our relationships with God. Am I chasing a relationship with God because I am good? Or am I chasing a relationship with God because He is good? You see the difference in that focus? One is focusing on God and one is focusing on me. The first commandment in the Bible is, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. And what uh, what do we call that when we have false gods in our lives? Idolatry or an idol is a false god. And what letter does idolatry start with? Ah. So you want to guess at who probably the biggest false god in our lives is? Who? Ourselves. We serve ourselves before we serve God and we serve others. We have it backwards. And so these people were very, very religious, right? They carried a big old Bible and made sure everybody knew they had the right Bible and mm. and they, they talked the talk and they walked the walk externally. Mm-hmm. But inwardly they were full of self righteousness mm-hmm. and self sufficiency and, and pride. Yeah. They didn't make the laws, but they interpreted the laws. And they they added their little nuances mm-hmm. to the law. Because I know there's so many different laws that goes along with the Ten Commandments. Yeah. Now, 
The Ten Commandments? God. No. God. I know that. I'm saying that the, all the rules, extra laws. All the different stuff well, that Jewish the, people had to follow. Uh, okay, so that's a really good question. So there are three types of laws that the Jewish people followed. There was the moral law, which is the Ten Commandments. Mm-hmm. There is the cultic laws or ceremonial laws or laws of worship. Okay. So the things about the temple, the tabernacle and sacrifices and priests and the clothes that they wore and the way the, the tabernacle was built and what they what candles they burned and what altars they used. That was all described in the cultic laws. Cult, cult meaning worship. Cultic meaning worship. And that also came from God. I remember. Yes, that comes from the book. So if you read the book of Leviticus, you will run into all of the cultic laws. And then there was also the civil law, the tooth for a tooth and an eye for an eye. Or if you steal someone's goat, you got to pay them back four goats in return. Or if if uh, you know if uh, your neighbor broke into your house and it was dark and you killed him, it wasn't your fault because it was dark and you couldn't tell who it was in your house. So the, these would be the laws on how the Jewish people got along with one another. Okay, so that would be the three different types of laws that the Jewish people had: the cultic laws or the laws of worship, the uh, cultural law or civil law, the laws of how they got along with one another, and then of course the moral law, which mm-hmm. was the Ten Commandments. All right, and so <clears throat> if you remember, Jesus promised that when you became a believer that Moses had the law written on tablets of stone, but God promises that with the believer, (laughs) God promised with the believer that God was going to write the law on your heart. Okay? So what does that mean? Is When God writes the law on a believer's heart, is he, when, Lord, when he imprinted, when he wrote his law on your heart through his Holy Spirit, did you have a sudden desire to go to Israel and go to the temple and burn, <laughs> and burn, sac- burn, no. sac- burn sacrifices? No. And, no. I, I okay. All right. And so, not only that, but if somebody stole something from you, would you expect them to pay you back four times what they took from you? So, when God wrote the law on their heart. Yes, ma'am. Um, I was thinking, like, he was talking about when he writes the law in your heart, that you just. Uh, you should. You don't even have to read the Bible. You just automatically got it in you to begin with to live the way of the Bible because it's, he says it's written on the tablets of your heart. You see what I'm saying? Yes, but we we still need to read the Bible because okay. So when he writes the law on our heart, it's not the civil laws of the Jewish people. Right. Like you can wear cotton and wool mixed together now. That's okay, and you can eat shrimp, and you can you see. So that's not the laws he wrote on your heart. So it's not the civil laws of the nation of Israel, and it's not the cultic laws about you, you know we don't have to you don't have to be from the tribe of Levi to be a preacher at a local church. So it's not those laws, but the moral laws, the Ten Commandments, were the very laws that God. So when Adam and Eve were created, they were written with those laws on their heart. They, it, it was very clear to them what God expected from them. Not to kill, not to steal, not to commit adultery. The, the, the commandments. It was just natural for them to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. But when they turned their backs on God and walked away from Him, the law became blurred. And they were not able to clearly know it anymore. You see? So now when somebody asks me if I'm doing okay today and I'm having a really bad day, and I say, oh, I'm fine, and I'm, I'm, I'm really what? Lying. Lying, yes. And what's happened is, is over long periods of time, I've become numb to the thou shalt not bear false witness. 
So when God puts, when God writes on your spirit the law, what happens is He turns you back to His truth, and now your desire is to walk in the truth instead of walk away from it. So those commandments, those Ten Commandments, are God's will for our life. What the Ten Commandments do is they define to me and you what it looks like to love God and love your neighbor. Mm -hmm. Remember when Jesus said the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. He said that's the greatest commandment. right? So when God writes His law on your heart with His Spirit, what's going to happen? Your desire is going to be to love God and love the people around you. Like that's what's going to happen. Well, what does that love God with all of your heart and love God with all of your uh, and love your neighbor as yourself look like? He defined it in the Ten Commandments. If you love God, you will have not worship any other gods. You will not take His name in vain. You will not bow down to statues, and you will remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. All right. Now, somebody right away has already thought, well, we're not Jewish, so we don't have a Sabbath day, but we have a Sabbath. We have a rest in Christ, and we celebrate the rest that we have in Christ on the Lord's Day, which is Sunday. All right. And so, generally, if I hear a Christian tell me, they say, well, we don't have to worship God. We can worship God every day of the week. Yes. Yes. And you should. You should walk your life worshiping Him. But the reality is. God should have written on your heart a desire to gather with your brothers and sisters and to worship Him in in a communion. And what a wonderful day Sunday is, too, because you get to be with your church family, but you're not concerned of your work worries. You're not concerned of other worries. You're just there to be with your church family and enjoy each other and listen to the Lord. It is relaxing. And not only that, but watch this. Remember what I said. What do the Ten Commandments do? God has came down and literally told us, this is what it looks like to love me, and this is what it looks like to love your neighbor. All right? And so modern evangelicals will tell you, well, we don't have the Sabbath day. Well, the reality is, is the Sabbath day is one of those that literally combine loving God and loving our neighbors as ourselves. Yeah. You see? Because we go and worship God and we commune with our family. That we love. We love. So it's a, the Sabbath day is a, a day, an opportunity for me to rest in Christ. And we also, when you're, when you're with your church family, you get to see what loving Christ really looks yep. like in everyday life because these folks are doing it. Yep. And, you know, of course it's written on your heart and, and you learn more by reading the right. Bible. And, you know, I, I notice changes in me. Even even now, after all these years, things are different about me. Being honest in everything I do, even when it's not in the person's best interest, you got to be honest about it so it doesn't pop up and hurt later on. There's so much that you learn from these folks. Okay. And God means you to be there. Nope. Be present. So when we think about that, God has given us those laws to define to us what it looks like to love Him and love others. And and I can't, Heather, like you said, yes, He does write it on my heart, and so I know it, but I need those words because it defines to me what I know. It puts into, it puts into 
a way that I can see it, mm-hmm. not just feel it. All right. Now, I find a lot of times too that the stuff we learn in this Bible study, in all Bible studies, but particularly this one, things will stick out you know, out from verses, everyday situations, because everything's in here. Things that we go through today is in here, and I'll be in a situation. I can pull something I've learned from hearing His word to help sure. me through that situation. Sure. I've done that. And so remember, the Pharisees. Uh, followed the law because they had to. Yeah. The child of God who has his law written on their heart they follows it. Be right? <laughs> the child of God who has the law of God followed on their heart, written on their heart, <clears throat> follows God not because they have to, but because they want to. Do you see the difference in that? Because they have an animal to begin with. Yes. So. Any kind of law is going to point out to me what's wrong in me. It's going to show me what's wrong. If I'm speeding, right? I think sometimes whenever he said he writes it on the on the tablets of her heart, but you know there's situations to where it talks about in the Bible not to carry scripture with you. In other words, if you've already got it written on your heart and you're not allowed to carry the Bible with you, then I'm saying you, you know God's got it in us to begin with. Have you not ever read that in there? Where it talks about it, it talks about not to worry about the clothes and or not to worry about you. He's talking about a man traveling. I don't know exactly what yes. the story is. But yes, yes, yes. It tells him it tells that man not to carry food, clothes, or the scriptures. Right. But, but yeah. But, but where did he learn that from? He learned that from Jesus telling it to him. Yeah. yeah. So it wasn't just a feeling yeah. that he assumed. Yeah, right. He had to hear it first. Yeah. So his word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against him. you got to hide the word in your heart first. Yeah, because sometimes, I mean, like with my situation, you know, I'm 35, and I've ran into all different situations to where if, you know, I, a lot of times I don't, if I go on the street, you know, I try to hide my Bible because even when I was in high school, there was a certain teacher, and he was Church of Christ, but... In his class, it, didn't, it wouldn't do to talk about the Bible or whatever. So I mean, sometimes you even have to hide the fact that you go to church or that you even because they want to pers- you know what I'm saying? They want to persecute you. You know what I'm, you know what I mean? So I, I don't carry a Bible around with me, and I, I hardly ever talk to anybody about it unless I know it's something serious. But I'm saying and it's getting to where where you can't. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I'm saying it's already it's like the sign and of the times. They say, yeah. It's good you hear that and how that's affecting you. Yeah. But for me, I'll put the Bible right on the dashboard. I will, yeah. I'm to that point now. Yeah. So we we can't I, be ashamed. Yeah. I'm not gonna yeah, be. We, and yeah. like if I'm in if I'm in public, I pray, but I don't look around because that's my relationship with God and myself. Right. But. I mean, I'm at the point, you know, to where I'm not ashamed, and I'm not saying you are, but it's just part of my life. Well, no, it's not. It's not. It's not so much shame as it is like. I it's almost know. a fear. Well, yes, almost a fear because I mean, I, I know mm-hmm. this, which is the United States of America, but now in China, they kill the ones that choose to follow God. They, I mean, I'm saying the people that read the Bible. I was at my stepdad's house and I was listening to a radio station, and that's where I heard that at. You know, like they kill anybody yeah. that wants to that goes to church over there, they kill them because they're communist and socialist country. You know, they're completely run by their um, their army. You know, it's not like run by the cops like it is here in the United States because we got our U.S. marshals, our secret service, and stuff like that. Over there, it's army. You know what I'm saying? It's well, one army. could argue that it's about the same. <laughs> well, it's about the same. But the United States is actually lucky to be able to do this. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But we were we were warned that we were going to be persecuted. Right. Mm-hmm. And that we should actually, to me, when I was taught it, 
we should embrace that persecution. It does say that actually in the Bible. Yeah. Count it all so, joy when yep. you're persecuted for my name. That's right. What it says. Yep. And so again, um, we there is a definitely a desire within right. us to want to fit in sure. and to not be be uh, to cause ruffles, to, to cause to, waves, to, to cause yeah. waves, yeah. or to to. Uh, Disturb the peace, if you will. Like, we just yeah. want to let things go. But the reality is, he said, you are a light on a hill. You are salt. And you are supposed to be salt and light. Yeah, I'm really and, glad you brought that up, honey, because this is something we're going to have to talk about more and more. Yeah. And so, uh, again, there's a there's a definite, there's something wrong. Um, so the Pharisees would have been agreed with me and said, oh, you need to carry your Bible everywhere you go. <laughs> but the Pharisees would have said, but you need to hit people over the head with it and make them believe. <laughs> You know, wow! You, you, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. in other words, they're they're filthy scum, and they need to be yeah. beat down by the righteousness of God, kind yeah. of thing. But the reality is, is yes, you do. You should carry a Bible with you because there's going to come times when you're going to need to open it up and show people what it says. Um, but you also carry it in your heart. What does that mean? It means that as you walk around, the love and the life of Christ is going to come out of you. Naturally, it will come out of you, or supernaturally, really, because the Holy Spirit will inspire you, and people will see a difference in you. But when they see that difference in you, guys, listen to me. There has never, ever, ever, ever been anyone converted and regenerated to eternal life through your testimony. Through you going and telling them what God has done for you. Yeah, now, that may attract them, right? And I can promise you that there are, unless I've been working it for seven years, there's a lot of people out there that are struggling with drug addiction right now that love to hear a recovery story. Yeah, because it's hope. Right? But that recovery story will never get them out of their addiction. Mm -hmm. The only thing that will get them out of their addiction is the Holy Spirit, the power of God mm -hmm. and His truth. So, yes, your testimony or you being kind to other people or you providing lunches for people is definitely a way to open a door. But the truth of the matter is when you open that door, you're going to get the crowd that just is here for the sandwiches and you're going to get the crowd here just to see something new and you're going to get the crowd here who's trying to catch you saying something wrong. I can't wait till you fall and, and get, get high again. That crowd, right? They're waiting to see you mess up. Oh, I know he's still using. You see? It's, just, it's the same thing. So Jesus was going around being light and salt. But when people would come to him and ask him questions, he would always say this. Have you not read? Is it not written? Mm -hmm. So what is he doing? Now the New Testament had not been written yet, but what was he doing? He was pointing people to the Scriptures mm -hmm. because that is the constant. That's the thing mm -hmm. that always mm -hmm. is there. And that's what your promise of eternal life is based on is his words, not your feelings. And that's very important for us to see because my feelings change every day. Mm -hmm. But the beauty is, is that when God regenerates you and gives you His own heart and writes His law in your heart, it's something that He's doing, and it will happen, and it will last. Okay. And so these people, these Pharisees, and now the Sadducees was another group of the religious crowd. But the Sadducees were more of the social religious crowd. In other words, they would be the lawyers and the politicians and the the local doctors and pharmacists that just come to church to make networking for networking. You know, you know that crowd I'm talking no, about? They're there just for the social aspects okay. of it. 
Oh yeah, yeah. I go to church with Doctor So and So. He's a good physician, or uh, you know, I can get a discount at the local RX because my pharmacist goes to church with me. So the the Sadducees was the crowd that was there just for the social connections. Sometimes just for, that's just a benefit because I got. That's a benefit sometimes, Lauren. But that's not the, right. But that's not the reason why you go there. No, it's right. not. Well, with the Sadducees, with that crowd, they were there because of the 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 social and political stature that come with being a part of it. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. All right. And so the Pharisees um, believed in the resurrection from the dead. The Sadducees did not even believe in the resurrection of the dead. They just believed when you died, you died. And so they were there simply just for the, the, the social things. But watch what Jesus says next. <clears throat> they asked him to show them a sign. And we've talked about this over and over and over again. And I want everyone to hear it. Please hear this. God does not have to show you anything except it's truth. Mm-hmm. Because all through the Bible, what you'll see is, even though God showed signs, that didn't help the people to believe. Do you remember the children of Israel when he killed Pharaoh? Well, he, he, wiped, he, he put all those plagues on the Egyptians, mm-hmm. and then he drowned Pharaoh in the ocean, and then literally 30 days later, they were cursing God to his face. Mm. neck. Right? They had seen all kind of miracles. And they didn't believe. These same Pharisees and Sadducees right here, in just a couple of weeks, uh, just a couple of months from this time right here, Jesus is going to literally raise a man from the dead. And those same Pharisees and Sadducees that says, show us a sign, are going to say, okay, now we got to kill Jesus and we got to kill that dude he raised from the dead. So, them seeing him raise a man from the dead, did that change them and make them believe? No. No. It didn't make them believers. It made them more uh, hostile to the truth. So, even so, what happens? When God shows signs to a true believer, it confirms their faith. When God shows a sign to a non-believer, it hardens them in their unbelief. So... The world we live in is all so much about show me and I'll believe you. What's the old movie? Show me the money. Show me the money. You show me. Give me proof and I'll believe you. But what the Bible teaches us is God says, if you will believe me, I will show you. You see the difference in that? So God's because we have to trust him. Yeah, it's about faith. Faith. And even that faith that we have to believe in him comes from him. It's not something we come up with. It's a gift that he gives us. And if he doesn't give us that faith, we'll never believe. And, he, and, and look, look what he says. Look in verse 4. An evil and adulterous generation is looking for a sign. Mm-hmm. But no sign is going to be given to you except the sign of Jonah. Now, we'll talk about that in just a minute. What was he saying? You're wicked and you're wanting a sign because you're wanting another excuse not to believe. Mm-hmm. You're not wanting me to show you something so that you can believe me. You're wanting a sign because you want proof that I'm not who I say I am. Mm-hmm. Right? You know, I think too sometimes, like it says, the wicked and uh, evil generation, but I think sometimes they seek for a sign because if they had a sign saying, okay, well, let's just say if it came today, okay, well, we, we don't have very much longer to do. You know, we, we ain't got very much longer to go. We just say we got five more years to just destroy everything. You know, like the Satan still kill and destroy. I'm saying so I, I feel like. He, he's, he said that's why there's not going to be one because he's not going to give them extra power to just to you know to keep destruction going like they're doing because you know I had met this guy 
and then we they were talking about the end of the and he just like went on a crime spree and i was like man it's not the end of the world you know it was like somebody had him i mean he just wasn't he wasn't all there he wasn't right but you know i mean he just he thought it was the end of the world so i mean he just wasn't going to sit around and do wow. nothing and the world ends so i mean this guy goes on a crime spree because he thought it was the end of the right. world so think of the rationale and reason behind that what is he saying I've only got just a little bit more time to be evil. Yes, and I'm that's gonna exactly do it while I got time. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. But these signs that are given, remember, the problem with the sign is, is it makes you more accountable. Like he should, these people saw all kinds of signs and still didn't believe in him. And I was thinking about that earlier. Now this is when Christ is on the earth, so their whole way of life is changing. The Messiah is yep. here. Some of them chose to believe, but imagine what a difficult time for the average human being that was to to see him, believe him, trust him, and move on from what they've known all their lives. Mm-hmm. We are blessed because we can look back and see Jesus died on the cross. <clears throat> I think I think we're blessed for the time we live in. And more accountable. And more and accountable. More accountable. Mm-hmm. But that for just the average human being, you know, the grandma, the the, the kid, the teenager to they're making a whole switch right there, you know, from the law and the, and the way of the Jews moving into Christianity. That had to be very difficult. Yep, that's right. Here's something that keeps jumping out at me, and I thought about when you said it, when he, when you said that the sheep know their shepherd's voice. So we have to know Jesus' voice just because, so if there were sheep from another flock and it was another shepherd calling they wouldn't respond to it like their own right. shepherd so we right. have to know his voice right. and they're and going all the way you know 360 degrees um it scares me because in the bible it says that when when we're in the last days that satan is not going and who's trying to be the ruler is not going to be having horns and look ugly. They say it's going to be very beautiful and very charismatic. So we have to be so careful to know the real word. Right. So that goes back to knowing the scripture. Good. But actually, yes, he does. is the prince of this world. So the world is actually Satan's to begin with. Yeah. But, when but he, so remember, happens without God letting it happen. Yeah, but that's but remember happens. when when Jesus was tempted in, when Jesus was tempted in God the wilderness. Uh, the devil tempted Jesus three times, and all three times Jesus went straight to the book of Deuteronomy. Mm-hmm. He went straight to the word. Man does not live by bread alone, but every word proceeds out of the mouth of God. Right? He well, Deuteronomy, he went to Deuteronomy twice, and then he went to Psalms once. He uh, the devil went to Psalms. The devil went to Psalms and said, "Oh well, if you jump off here, the angels are going to catch you because it is written that the angel will keep you from striking your foot against a stone." So the devil was actually using scripture to kind of convince <laughs> Jesus to jump off of the temple and prove and who he, he was. Yeah. And what did Jesus say? Jesus oh, said, so, um, "Do not put the Lord your God to the test." So, mm-hmm. so, yeah. so, in other words, even the enemy can use the scriptures to try to get you to do mm-hmm. something. But when you know all, when you know the entire message of the scripture, you know that scripture never contradicts scripture. Mm-hmm. And so the devil was using one verse of scripture. Jesus went back and said, yeah, but you don't put God to the test. Mm-hmm. In other words, yes, I am his child. And yes, his angels will protect me and keep me from striking my foot against a stone. But I don't have to jump off this building to prove to you that that's the truth. But doesn't he also say test me? Hmm? Doesn't he also say test? Test me. No. No, God says not to test him. You're not I know he's not, God. but he, he... Or tempt him either. 
No, testing him. In other words, um, don't 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 push him. Don't. Okay. Okay. Different. Different. In, in other words, I'm in a different you what can is... test the scriptures to see whether they're so or not. I mean, he's good and improve them. Yeah. Uh, but but not testing God. Did you have something you want to add? Uh, no, I was just telling her when it comes to the sheep, they said that he'll he'll separate the sheep from the goats. Yeah, yeah. So and, like, no matter what, no matter, you could be a wandering sheep, and he'll find you if you're his sheep. That's what basically. No matter what, man, right. what you think you're doing, if you're saved by God, he's gonna find you. Your right. message is gonna hit you no matter what you do. It's just how it is. And and so to, so what's happening today in this group as we're studying the word, as the people will listen to this recording later on, what's gonna happen is is that his words are gonna go out. Mm-hmm. And those that are intended to find and bring in are going to come mm-hmm. find it and bring it in. Right? Not everybody that hears the word is going to receive it in faith. Some are going to reject it. And that's what's going on here. So these Pharisees and Sadducees are asking for a sign. And look what he said. When in the evening you say it will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning there's a storm today, for the sky is red and threatening. You know how to discern the appearance of the sky. But you cannot discern the signs of the times. So, it, what does he mean? Their very Messiah that their prophecies prophesied was going to come to save them mm-hmm. is standing in front of them. And they're very capable of looking up over the horizon and saying, oh, there's a bad storm coming across the, the plains. Mm-hmm. Why? Because in nature, we understand nature. We have enough of an observation that if a big black cloud is coming over my house, I unplug my TV and my air conditioner, right? Because mm-hmm. I know that it could hit my house. I, I can look at the sky and tell. But what he's saying is the greatest sign that's ever been given, the Son of Man walking among you, is here and you don't see it. Right. You know how to get the nat- you know, know how to understand natural stuff. Mm-hmm. But when the truth, when the truth, spiritual things come mm-hmm. along, you aren't able to discern it. He said, "An evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign, and no sign will be given to them except the sign of Jonah." Now, what is Jesus doing? Jesus pointing. Where is he pointing when he says the sign of Jonah? Oh, it says, to the scriptures, oh, okay. to Jonah the prophet. And what was the sign? Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights, and mm-hmm. then what happened? He was he was vomited out of the the whale. All right. And so what Jesus is saying is, he says it in another passage, uh, in, in the same way that Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights, even so the Son of Man will be in the belly of the earth for three days and three nights. Okay. okay? So Jonah was in the belly of a fish for three days and three nights, and at the end of three days and three nights, what did the fish do? Vomited Jonah up on the land. I mean, God has a plan for us, and he does. And sometimes, you know, we're, we're not quite doing exactly... But Jonah, Jonah refused to go to Nineveh. So, but God didn't let that happen. Jonah followed the path that God wanted him to follow and made him, put him in that fish and brought him there. So, will God get us there no matter what? Well, so the sign of Jonah, what he's, what he's doing, yeah, of course. But what is the sign of Jonah? What is he comparing? He's saying in the same way that Jonah was in that fish for three days and three nights, I'm going to be in the earth for three days and three nights, and then the earth is going to vomit me up. And that's what he so what is the sign he's talking about there? What is the true sign? Wasn't Jonah running away? Yes. And then and then when Jonah got out of the fish, he went to the people and spoke to them. And they believed. And then, jo- believed, and believed, but then Jonah got mad because they believed. Yeah. Yeah. You so, know, I'm just like, what? <laughs> but what Jesus is saying is, 
Number one, he's saying that Jonah really was in the belly of a fish for three days and three mm-hmm. nights. He's attesting to the truth of the old script of the scriptures. He really was in the belly of a fish for three days and three nights. And the proof of that is, is that I'm going to be in the earth for three days and three nights, and then I'm coming back out alive. Right. And so his resurrection from the oh. right, his resurrection from the dead okay. is just as sure as Jonah in that okay. belly right. of that fish. Right. And so he's saying, "Hey, you want a sign? Nail me to a tree, and I'll die. And three days later, I'll come back from the dead. Mm-hmm. That's the sign that is going to be given to you." In three days, I'll rebuild this temple. Right. But from what I heard, is he went into hell and and got the keys from the devil no. and then rose. No, he did. That's what he I did heard. Go, he did go to hell. Though. No. He ascended into the grave. He ascended oh, into the grave. grave. Okay. Okay. The hell he took on the cross. Okay. The wrath that he mm-hmm. took on. He took the wrath that we deserve for our sins on the cross. Okay. When they buried him in the grave, he did. Huh? Hold on a second. So, how does that Lori's going to Lori's going to quote to us the Apostles' Creed, and it said he descended into hell. He descended into Hades, or hell. He descended into hell the third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand. All right, so stop, Lori. Where it says he he ascended into hell, you got a little asterisk. He descended into hell. Is there a little asterisk? There is. All right, and look at the bottom of your thing. This refers to the realm of the dead, not the place of punishment. Thank you very much. always right. No, I'm not always right, but I do know that one. He took he took our hell on the cross. Okay. All right. Because what I heard is that people are going to hell for nothing. So when he took the hell no. from the cross, everybody that goes to hell is going to pay for their sins. Okay. We That's all, why they go there. We all deserve hell. Yeah. Even back then, before Christ. All right. Yeah. So we got we got to wind down. We got three minutes left. Let's focus. All right. So he says, and uh, the disciple. So he said, an evil and adulterous generation is looking for a sign, and a sign is not going to be given to them except the sign of Jonah. And he left and went away. So what is he saying? He's saying, I'm going to die on the cross, be buried in the grave, and three days later I'm coming back from the dead. You want a sign? I'll ride, I'll bring myself back from the dead. How about that for a sign? When he did that, I want you to see this, and this we'll close the class with this. When you read all four gospel accounts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, after Jesus died on the cross, after Herod and Pilate and, and uh, the Jews uh, convicted him of something he didn't do and nailed him to that cross and killed him, and Nicodemus buried him in that grave, three days later, when he ascended from the dead, when he ascended from uh, the grave, the only people that saw Jesus after the resurrection mm-hmm. were believers. He never went back to the ones that rejected him. Mm. All right? So remember what I said? It's not seeing is believing. Mm -hmm. Because all of those rejectors, all of those Christ rejectors saw him and they still rejected him. That's where faith is again. But the ones that believed him, they got to see the sign of Jonah, didn't they? Because he came to the upper room where they was and held his hand out and said, See my hand? See my side? Remember? Mm-hmm. So, when he says, he says, No sign will be given except the sign of Joel. An evil and adulterous generation looks for a sign. So it's not seeing that it's believing. Mm-hmm. That's not the way it works for us as Christians. The way it works for us is if we will believe him, we will see him. Mm-hmm.
it, it works the exact opposite. And why not bring that up? Because I, I was just I was counseling with this little young child uh, just this last week. She's 16 now, and the first time I counseled with her, she was nine years old, and she's been in and out of clinical settings for the last seven years. Now she's 16. She's in high school. And she told me just the other day, and I, we've gone, through, we've had plenty of Bible studies together. Sweet child, I love the kid to death. But she told me this: I just don't really believe in him because every time I pray for him and ask for something, nothing ever happens. Mm. You see? And that's something we're all guilty of. She's only 16, and she's saying that, but we're all guilty of that too. Mm. We're all guilty of why God, I believe you, and look what you let happen to me. Mm. You see? And so what we're doing is we're basing our faith on what we see. It's true. Yeah, and that can be that, that can be a problem. Mm-hmm. We need to base our faith on His promises. Because if you trust Him, He will bring you. We need the faith. We need to, we need to establish our faith on what He says, not what we see. Mm-hmm. All right. And the more you understand what He says, the more you'll see. Make sense? All right. Let's close with a word of prayer. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for this time together. Thank you for the folks in this room. I pray that you will help us all to receive you, to believe you. I pray that uh, that our faith, which will one day be sight, will be increased by our study of your word and your truth. Help us to trust that and help us to walk in that truth. And please surround everybody here with that truth. Protect them. Watch over them. Give them wisdom and understanding and help them to know and walk in your ways. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen.